Hello and welcome to the podcast for the April issue of The Lancet Neurology. Richard Lane here and this month I'm delighted to be joined by Heather Brown from TLN. Welcome Heather. Hi Richard. Heather, let's start with a small study. This is a research article looking at the monoclonal antibody bapanuzumab concerning the treatment of Alzheimer's disease. Heather, what are the clinical issues that this study is setting out to investigate? Well, there are actually a few issues. Bapanuzumab is a monoclonal antibody that binds to amyloid beta, and deposits of amyloid beta are one of the pathological hallmarks of Alzheimer's disease. So one idea is that bapanuzumab could potentially clear amyloid beta from the brain. In this randomised trial, Eurorini and colleagues tested whether bapanuzumab can in fact do this by using an imaging technique called 11-carbon-labelled Pittsburgh Compound B Positron Emission Tomography, or 11C PIB-PET. This technique has been used before to label amyloid beta in the brains of people with Alzheimer's disease, but not to show changes in amyloid load over time while people are being treated with a drug. So the study is important for showing both the effect of bapanuzumab and the usefulness of 11C PIB-PET for monitoring amyloid beta levels in vivo. And this has implications for the testing of other drugs and also for understanding the mechanisms that underlie Alzheimer's disease because it should now be possible in future studies to test what's known as the amyloid hypothesis of Alzheimer's disease in vivo by showing whether reducing amyloid load can lead to improvements in cognition. Thanks for that, Heather. And just briefly run through the methods and key results from this study. The investigators enrolled 28 people with mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease. 20 received one of three doses of bapanuzumab and 8 received placebo intravenously every 13 weeks for up to 78 weeks. The primary endpoint was the comparison of the amyloid beta load in various regions of the cortex using 11C PIB-PET. The load decreased in the study in the bapanuzumab group but increased in the placebo group and the difference between the groups was statistically significant. So Heather, what are the main conclusions this type of imaging technique seems appropriate with this monoclonal antibody. The authors have shown that this technique can show a reduction in amyloid load in the brain in vivo over time in response to drug treatment and also that bapanuzumab can cause this sort of reduction in amyloid load. Whether this reduction in amyloid load translates into effects on cognition remains unclear but larger phase three trials to answer this are ongoing. And I see there is a linked comment to this article. What does the comment author conclude? In his commentary, Sam Gandhi describes the paper as reporting something of a breakthrough because the role of amyloid beta in Alzheimer's disease can now be tested in vivo. He also says that although it is still too soon to say that we have an effective disease-modifying drug for Alzheimer's disease, studies such as this one should move us closer towards that goal. Next, Heather, a rapid review concerning PML, and this seems topical because Helen Frankish and I discussed PML within the context of JC virus in last month's podcast. So what is this review telling us? The rapid review by David Clifford and colleagues brings together data on all the cases of progressive multifocal leukoencephalopathy, or PML, related to natalizumab treatment that were reported between July 2006 and the end of 2009. PML is a rare and serious complication that is seen in some people with multiple sclerosis who have been treated with the monoclonal antibody natalizumab, and as you discussed last month, it's thought to be caused by reactivation of the JC virus. 28 cases are described in the rapid review, 8 of which were unfortunately fatal, and many of the patients who survived were left with permanent disability. And what do the rapid review authors conclude, Heather? They conclude that clinical vigilance is needed, particularly as the risks of PML seem to increase the longer someone has been receiving natalizumab although we still don't know that much about the long-term risks because the longest period of continuous use is still only about three and a half years. The authors also stress the need for predictive markers to identify which patients are more likely to have this severe reaction to natalizumab. 
Thanks, Heather. And alongside this, I see you publish, if you like, a conventional, non-rapid review about PML, which I'm assuming is looking at PML from a wider perspective, not just in relation to natalizumab treatment. Is that right? Yes, PML can affect people who have severe immunosuppression for reasons other than natalizumab treatment. The disease is actually first noticed in patients with HIV, and it can occur in some cancers and rheumatological diseases, and also in patients treated with other monoclonal antibodies such as efilizumab and rituximab. In their review, Chen Tan and Igor Koralnik describe the presentation, diagnosis, treatment and prognosis of both PML and the related complication called Immune Reconstitution Inflammatory Syndrome, or PML-IRIS and they also provide background on the JC virus and some other neurological disorders that can be associated with the virus, including meningitis and encephalopathy. And what do these authors conclude, Heather? The authors conclude that better understanding of the course and immune control of JC virus is needed, not least because some of the current treatments for PML can trigger PML iris. The authors also point out that a small proportion of cases of PML are not associated with apparent immunosuppression, and recommend that PML is considered in the differential diagnosis of patients who present with suggestive neurological symptoms, even if they don't seem to have immunosuppressive risk factors. Can we briefly mention the International Carotid Stenting Study? This is a joint publication initiative between the Lancet Neurology and the Lancet. Remind us what this is about. Yes, these are results from the International Carotid Stenting Study, which is a randomised trial in people with symptomatic carotid artery stenosis. The aim is to settle the debate about whether endarterectomy, that is, surgery to clear the artery, or insertion of a stent to hold the artery open, is better at reducing the risk of stroke. The Lancet recently published the interim results of the main trial, and the substudy by Leo Bonatti and colleagues, published in this issue of the Lancet Neurology, looks at the effects of the two procedures on brain lesions seen on MRI. An important aspect of the substudy is that investigators assessing the MRI images were unaware of what treatments the patients had had. And the results, Heather, they seem fairly clear-cut in favour of endarterectomy, is that right? Yes, that's right. The number of patients with new ischemic lesions on the post-treatment scan was about three times greater in the stenting group than in the endarterectomy group, which supports the finding of a greater risk of stroke after stenting, seen in the main study published in The Lancet. And just pick up on the comment alongside this. What is uh, the comment author saying? In his commentary, Klaus Groschel suggests that the widespread use of carotid stenting as a first-line treatment for symptomatic carotid artery stenosis is not justified for the time being, although he points out that further studies could show that endarterectomy and stenting are each beneficial in particular subgroups of patients. And finally, Heather, any other highlights from the April issue that you'd like to mention? We have three other reviews in the issue and also another two clinical trials, one on daclizumab in relapsing multiple sclerosis and one on the use of single-pulse transcranial magnetic stimulation as a treatment for migraine with aura. Well, thanks very much indeed, Heather, and those are some of the highlights from the April issue of The Lancet Neurology. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next month.